This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM, 103.1 FM, WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Miller, priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are so blessed to have John Mark Miravalli. John Mark is a professor of systematic and moral theology at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg. He has a doctorate of sacred theology from the Regina Apostolorum in Rome and is married to Jessica with, with five children. What a great blessing. Welcome today, John Mark. Thanks, Father. Thanks for having me. Great. I know you've, you've written a couple books, one book on, on beauty what it is and why does it matter, one or not, and about the Catholic faith. But I wanted to focus on your new book, and if I can just share with the readers the title, it's called How to Feel Good and How Not to, The Ethics of Using Marijuana, Alcohol, Antidepressants, and Mood-Altering Drugs. This is out of Sophia Press. What inspired you to work on this topic? Well, about, I guess, 15 years ago now, when I was trying to find a doctoral dissertation topic to write on, I, I noticed that Catholics were really, really divided on the issue of antidepressant drugs. Some were really opposed, and some were really enthusiastic. And I thought, look, we're all Catholics. We're, we should all be dealing with the same basic principles, the same moral principles, the same principles about the human person. There shouldn't be that much division on this issue. And so I wrote about antidepressant drugs, and that became a more academic book. And then I've noticed a sort of similar pattern with issues around recreational marijuana that some Catholics are, are super, super opposed, but they can't really say why, and other Catholics are really, really enthusiastic about the possibilities once legalization happens. So I just thought that we have the same vision, we're supposed to have the same vision of God's plan for us, of the nature of the human person. We should be able to come as Catholics to a distinct point of clarity. And hopefully that clarity could uh, have a broader public impact, too. So that's the basic idea. We have a unique heritage for assessing morally controversial issues, and I want to apply that heritage to drug use. Yeah. So in the case of drug use, obviously things like recreational drug use and the legalization of things like marijuana. Can you speak? that, That just definitely seems on the rise in his acceptance. Can you speak to where do you think it's coming from? Well, I think a lot of people believe that pain is its own sort of, is by definition evil and should be avoided, and that pleasure is its own justification and by definition should be pursued. And uh, I think that's a real misunderstanding of what pain and pleasure are all about. I think pain and pleasure are not sort of an end or an evil in themselves, but they point us towards other goods and towards particular evils. And so pain and pleasure can't just be evaluated in isolation. Uh, when you do that, then you're just going to reach for whatever drug can give you pleasure or help you avoid pain. Uh, pain and pleasure are part of a broader human experience called the passions that is supposed to bring us towards what is morally good and away from what is morally evil. And so I think, I think the culture is lacking those larger moral compass points that should guide our decisions about pain, uh, pain and pleasure. 
And I think if if your average person would say, hey, why can't I flee from this, from the, the troubles of my life and the trials of my life? And that's probably why a lot of people would say they like recreational drug use. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, so first of all, the troubles in our life, if that if that means that we suffer in response to something that's wrong in our life or to the lives of others, that's not a that's not a defect. That's actually a perfection. If I put my hand in fire, it should hurt. That pain is a signal that something's wrong and a motivation for me to do something about it. That's true for any evil in my life, whether it's a, a past trial, whether it's a, a vice that I'm tr- struggling with today, whether it's the suffering of my neighbor, or simply sharing in Christ's redemptive death for the sake of the mystical body, which is the church, pain has meaning, and you can't flee from it. You have to examine it and harness that meaning in order to bring about greater goodness and actually end the evil in the world. So I'd say this, I would say this, pain and suffering are not the problem. Evil is the problem, and pain and suffering are some of the tools that God has given us to fight that evil. Mm-hmm. What would you say if someone says, well, everybody has their own, I don't know if the word, it might be too strong to say the word vice. You know, some people said they watch NFL football to kind of flee from the world, and that just gets them out of their day-to-day. You know, some people use alcohol, some people use drugs. What what would you say, I mean, what what would you say the problem with people fleeing reality in different ways? You know, some people do gardening, or some people do that. You know, why why couldn't it apply to uh, recreational drug use? you know, not uncommon, and doing some ministry with young people. Yeah, what would you say an, an issue that, that it's just a, a light fleeing from reality for a, for a temporary period of time? Good, I would say this. I would say we should never, never, never do anything to flee from reality. Uh, the only things we do should be to help us engage with reality more deeply. Our intellect was made to engage with reality as truth. Our will was meant to engage with reality as beauty. And our feelings, our feelings of pain, pleasure, and everything in between are meant to engage with reality in all its fullness because, of course, all reality comes from God. And one day, we are going to want to make sure we have cultivated our faculties so we can engage with the ultimate reality, who is God himself. So certain activities that are recreational are good precisely because they help us engage with reality more, something like like gardening or like sport or like music. The danger is when our activities, say pornography or say drug use or or say Netflix binging, when those are designed to be an escape from reality instead of a re-engagement and celebration of reality, then something has gone wrong. And so I think you bring up a great point, which is that we have become a culture that justifies or normalizes escapism. And Mm -hmm. escapism through drugs is just one more symptom of that problem. In fact, I do have to say, in light of, I guess, the, the traditional understanding of, you know, reading a book or seeing a play wasn't just a flight from reality. Usually there were things that would teach that when you come back to reality, you know what I mean? If you were to you know, suspend animation to watch a movie or read good literature, it was to engage for you to think about reality in, in a different way. And I think of some of the great authors or great literature. That Can you speak any to that? Absolutely. So I've tried to explain this to my kids about the difference between, for instance, Lord of the Rings and uh, junk fantasy. So junk Mm -hmm. fantasy is very sensationalist. And when you're done reading fantasy, the real world is less interesting. 
when mm-hmm. when we've read, for instance, Lord of the Rings, which is fantasy technically as a genre, but actually the descriptions are so real and it's so non-sensational, right? Most of the chapters are about people walking through nature. I mean, it's a huge amount of stuff where nothing sort of shocking ever happens. When we put those books down, actually, we're, we're, we're ready to engage reality more eagerly. And life is, is presented not as less, but as more attractive, as more delightful, as more interesting. So there's a big difference that has to be made between leisure and idleness. Leisure is mm-hmm. where you pursue an activity, as you said, so that you can be more enthused about the world God has made. Idleness is where you pursue an activity to distract you from the world God has made. And so, uh, yeah, I think part of this bigger project in looking at drugs is, are we spending our time to escape or to engage? Because if we're trying to escape God and his world, that's never that's never a good plan. Right. And even the case of things like sports are ways to engage with others. <laughs> it, may, it may take a mind off the day-to-day stresses or, or, or pressures, but even sports is interacting with others, you know, kind of uh, looking for ways to best the others, uh, strategic thinking, so it, so it engages a person even more just in a different way from the day-to-day things. That's right. And, and we would say when, when, you, when you're playing or even appreciating a good athletic contest, the idea is that you're supposed to emerge from that refreshed, not more spent, not more glutted, not more unable, right? You, you don't groan and say, well, I have to get back to reality. If you're doing that, if you're just, again, sports binging as a way of escape, well, then you've got to change something. But sport in itself is a great good. It's something that can help you to celebrate uh, the goodness of the human person, the nature of human excellence, and certainly, certainly what a good world it is after all. And I think it's interesting because back to the recreational drug use, which we're going to talk a little bit more in the next segment, is it gets an, it's not uncommon for recreational drug use to be more than recreational, <laughs> for it to increase and become almost a lifestyle and something a person who's regularly trying to flee reality even more. So we'll talk about that more on the next segment. So we are uh, blessed to have John Mark uh, Mary Valley talking about his book, how to feel good and how not to about the ethics of using marijuana, alcohol, antidepressants, and mood-altering drugs. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. The Student Council at Our Lady of Hope St. Luke School in Dundalk presented Baltimore County Police with a wagon full of snacks the morning of October 9th to thank them for their service in the local community. Officers had arrived on campus earlier that morning to greet the children as they arrived for classes as part of the National Faith and Blue Weekend, 
an initiative geared toward bringing law enforcement and communities together. As they entered school, students flashed big smiles and bumped elbows with the law enforcement officials. In addition to the police officers, McGruff the crime dog was available for photos. All the while, everyone wore protective masks that fall under the health guidelines for COVID-19. Read more about the event at catholicreview.org. In New York, a statue of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, the patron of immigrants, now stands overlooking the New York Harbor and the Statue of Liberty. Unveiled during a dedication ceremony in Battery Park City on Columbus Day, October 12th, the statue honors Mother Cabrini as she is best known. She is revered for not only her devotion to immigrants, but also to children and the destitute. Brooklyn Bishop Nicholas DiMarzio, who is co-chairman of the Mother Cabrini Memorial Commission, said he was happy so many people supported the effort to fund creation of a statue of the saint and find a site for it, after Mother Cabrini was passed over in an initiative to increase the number of statues of women in New York City. Last year, the city's first lady, Sherlane McRae, and her She Built NYC Commission rejected Mother Cabrini for one of those statues, even though the saint received the most nominations of any of the 320 women nominated. In Assisi, Italy, thousands sang and applauded as Italian teen Carlo Acutis was beatified in a town dear to him and to many Christians around the world, Assisi. During the October 10th Beatification Mass, Italian Cardinal Agostino Bellini, the papal legate for the Basilicas of St. Francis and St. Mary of the Angels in Assisi, read Pope Francis's apostolic letter proclaiming Acutis blessed, the step before canonization. After the reading of the apostolic letter, the newly beatified teen's parents, Andrea Acutis and Antonia Salzano, processed toward the altar carrying a reliquary containing their son's heart. The reliquary was engraved with one of the teen's well-known quotes, The Eucharist is my highway to heaven. Stay informed. Sign up for the Catholic Review's e-newsletter by texting WMET to 84576. From one of the virtual newsrooms of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic schools rise above. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. We're listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. We are blessed to have 
John Mark Miravalli. He's written a book recently on how to feel good and how not to, the ethics of using marijuana, alcohol, antidepressants, and mood-altering drugs. And, uh, you know, there, there is something about putting some ways to think about things, especially who become popular. And one of the gifts of the Catholic faith is uh, it thinks deeply. There are principles to think about things. So let's get talking about the, the question of reality of the increased popularity of just drug-induced experimentation, why is it becoming so popular in these times? Well, I think people have lost the discipline of developing real delight. That is, delight that celebrates not just a neurological disturbance in your own head, but celebrates something beyond yourself. And so because people are losing the discipline of celebrating reality, they're looking to tr try to achieve a sort of bogus celebration, a sort of counterfeit delight. And that's what happens when you manipulate the chemicals in your head. And so, I think again, we, we talked uh, off-air about how fascinating it was that when churches were closed, liquor stores were still open, so were marijuana dispensaries. Right, because right. People, people have lost the ability of celebrating God and his world, and so they're relying on this, as I said, this chemical substitute, which is drug use. What would you say, there are a number of people that said, well, I mean, alcohol and marijuana, it's pretty much the same thing. Why do we permit people to go to a, a liquor store and not, uh, if people if people wanted to smoke weed and, and get high or something like that? What, what would you what would you say to that about the distinction and, and how it helps to think how the, the, the two are, what is the difference between the two and why is one seemingly permissible in moderation and the other not? Well, first of all, I would say that alcohol certainly can be used as a drug. So, for instance, if I go into a bar and I say, well, I'm going to have five shots just to get the party started, well, then clearly I'm using it as a chemical tool to manipulate my feelings with. But alcohol is often not used that way. So, for instance, usually when I have guests over, I offer them beer, wine, or whiskey. And they take one sip and they say, oh, this is good stuff. And nobody, after 20 minutes, says, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm not feeling this. There must be something wrong with the product. Whereas, if somebody, a typical pot user is going to take, you know, his drags and he's going to complain if he doesn't have a chemical mood change during the course of his toke. So, that shows that what someone is typically doing with marijuana is different than what they are typically doing with alcohol. Typically, with alcohol, you are trying to celebrate the goodness of this drink. Typically with marijuana, you are trying to achieve a neurological change that gives you an emotional uh, experience. That's a big difference because if you're trying to create an experience through a, through a drug, through a chemical, it's never a valid one, right? If, if I say to a woman, listen, I don't find you beautiful now, but just wait till I've had five beers, she'll slap me, right? Because she knows that my beer goggles are not really making her, me appreciate her objective beauty. They're just giving me an internal experience. It's always fake. Anytime you try to achieve an experience with the drug, it's never reliable, whether it's a sensory experience or whether it's an emotional experience. What would you say to people who say, well, you know, kind of like with alcohol, maybe with marijuana, they might say, well, that's how I socialize. That, that really makes, makes me loosen up so I can just, just have free conversation in a way that I'm not always naturally having that. What would you say to that person? I would say two things. First of all, if you're saying that you need alcohol to make other people interesting, for instance, the way 
Oh, who is that, that big atheist who, who passed away? God bless him. Anyway, he famously said that he couldn't find people interesting without alcohol. Then I would say, well, you're not really taking interest in them any more than the guy who needs five beers to find a woman attractive is responding to her beauty. You're creating a, a counterfeit experience. Or I would say, are you so socially inhibited that it takes a number of beers or a joint to get you to loosen up? I mean, then you have a real psychological and emotional problem that should be dealt with and not simply anesthetized or medicated. So in both cases, drugs cannot be the ultimate answer. Mm-hmm. You know what? I find it fascinating that I've heard interviews with you know entertainment people or whoever they are, popular people who say, take like the psychedelic drugs. They're like, oh, they're like religious experiences because they help you really engage in a another part of me that I never could touch without, you know, maybe it's LSD or whatever, whatever they're psychedelic drugs. What, can you speak to that? And even just, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge problem. People are starting to call LSD or psilocybin, they're starting to call it the real sacrament because it really puts you in touch with God. The example I would, I would give in responding to that is, is actually an old movie from the 90s called Stuck on You where a character is playing darts and when he's about to throw a dart, he's jostled, so he accidentally throws a dart into someone else's head. And so the guy has a dart sticking out of his head, right? And he puts down his beer and he says, I taste ice cream. And the guy is with turns and looks at the dart in his head and says, you don't taste ice cream, you have a dart in your head, you dumb goof. Well, that's exactly what happens when someone says that they see God while they're on drugs. They're not seeing God, they're not having a religious experience, they have a dart in their heads. When you poke your brain to get an experience, religious, sensory, intellectual, if someone says, hey, I'm really smart because of these 10 beers I've just had, it makes me feel super intelligent, you'd say, you're not intelligent, you're screwy. You feel intelligent, but actually you're the opposite of that. You're simply manipulating your brain chemicals to give you a hallucinatory experience. That can never be real. And then the reality is it could be almost... Most likely addictive, I would think, if people were like, well, that was my real experience. I've got to keep going back to that and have these, uh, again, as pro- part of the problem of psychedelic drug use. Yeah, yeah so, some, some, is, some people have more recidivism than others. Some people have more addictive patterns than others. But for all of them, what they claim to be real, we know is not. We know it's not because nothing is ever reliable when it comes from an artificial neurological intervention on the brain. It's a dart in your head. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you taste. Don't believe what you feel. What advice would you have for parents for articulating to young people who might be tempted to this? For example, I have some people I know that are about to move to Colorado <laughs> where marijuana is legal. What advice yeah. would you have for parents to speak to their young people, especially where it's legal or at least some parts are, are legal? What, what words would you have for them? Well, the first the first thing I would say is we as Catholics know, right, the legal doesn't mean moral, right? And that, that's been mm-hmm. pretty clear since the legalization of abortion. So that's step one. The second thing I would say is what St. John Paul II said, which is do not run from reality. Seek pleasures that are a response to the world as God made it, not an artificially stimulated vision or feeling of the world. Things are good. Reality is good. Sometimes it takes hard work to remember that. It takes a lot of 
real contemplation, not just artificially induced sense of deepness. It takes real friendship, not just a sort of sense of belonging that lasts as long as you're, you're high. So, so go for the real things. Don't go for the substitutes. And that, that's a hard call, but it's the only way to happiness. And it is fascinating with a place like Colorado that has the beauty of nature and creation. Uh, of yes. this, that, the sense of like spending time in creation is good. Spending time with real people, people crave that. People crave real relationships, but it's the hard work and, and, and being present and the time and, and effort that, that it does take versus substitutions that never leave a person happy. Yeah, don't, don't be satisfied with feeling smart. Actually research and contemplate the ultimate truths of our faith and of, of, of real life. Don't be satisfied, right, with, with hanging out with people and smoking. Invest in the relationships. And finally, don't be satisfied with sedation. Pursue rest through leisure. That's, mm-hmm. that's Again, that's hard work that takes discipline. It takes discipline, but ultimately there's no substitute. And with that, you have someone like St. Augustine who realized the restlessness apart from God, that you're not going to find it anywhere else. You'll always have restlessness until we rest in in him. So what a blessing to have you, John Mark Miravalli, for uh, your book, How to Feel Good and How Not to, The Ethics of Using Marijuana, Alcohol, Antidepressant and Mood-Altering Drugs. It's out of Sophia Press. I hope people interested in this topic and even people shaping policies in schools or states or or even just for their own understanding will consider purchasing the copy. So may God bless you. Thank you for coming today, John Mark. And thank, I'm, thank Father, you. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. All right, God bless you. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.